presentation, but I think I'm supposed to share some things with you this morning. Um, so, good morning. My name is Nolan Jones. I'm one of the ministry leaders here at Branches, and I do not go by Noli, so don't listen to these guys. <laughs> um, just grateful to be here this morning to share this message. Um, grateful that I've got a little more of a voice this morning than what Dave has, although it didn't seem to bother his singing on. Um, also grateful that I saw the police officer at the intersection when I came up to a yellow light and decided to slam on the brakes instead of blow through that. So um, just a lot of things to be grateful this morning, I guess. Um, so today's message is uh, we're continuing in this series we're doing about living the disciplined life. And we're talking about disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness. So this is the third message in this series of eight. We've talked about solitude. We've talked about reflective prayer. And this week, we're going to talk about gratitude, which is probably why I'm a little extra grateful this morning. Um, but before we get into the message, I want to, I want to kind of take a step back and, and talk about what we mean when we're speaking of spiritual disciplines. Um, so what, what do we mean by the disciplined life? And I realize that in today's society, when we hear the word discipline, there can be some negative connotations to that. Um, so it helped me to, to look at some of the other translations of even this Bible verse, um, which many of them talk about training yourself for the purpose of discipline. So when we think of discipline, we, you can think of, of training and, and building yourself up uh, for the purpose of, of godliness here. Um, so we're not, we're not trying to train ourselves to be the best in any of these disciplines that we're speaking about in this series. Um, it's not our goal, but we are going to try and uh, incorporate these disciplines in our daily lives um, in the hopes that we find ourselves growing closer to Christ and becoming more like him, and I think we'll find that will happen. Um, the spiritual disciplines we're speaking about in this series are things that are either defined clearly in the Bible or they're modeled by people in the Bible. Um, now, I don't want to assume that there's nobody here that already practices some of these things. Maybe some of you are very grateful people, and uh, that's great. And I just hope that if that's you, one of the things that this message is going to do will hopefully enhance some of your current practices. But if, if gratitude is something or any of these spiritual disciplines are something that you're, you uh, don't already practice in your life, then, then I just encourage you to try and um, really dig in to, to train yourself and, and strive to, to put, implement these things into your life. Um, I also want you to bear in mind that um, spiritual disciplines that we're talking about is not an exhaustive list of everything you can find in the Bible. Um, there's just a, a small grouping of things. And you might find that when you're practicing one of these spiritual disciplines, you begin to, to creep over and practice something else. Like when you're practicing solitude, you might find yourself praying. And, and that's okay. I, I just want to encourage you to be open to how the Holy Spirit might be working in your life in a way that's going to draw you deeper into that relationship with God. And all we're doing here is trying to provide some tools that you can use and, and focus on to help dive deeper with God. Uh, so here's some, uh, some, a map of where we're going to go today. Um, we're going to as we speak about gratitude, where we're going to start is, uh, is that slide up there? There we go. Um, we're going to start by defining what the spiritual discipline of gratitude is. 
We're going to take a look at some examples of both gratitude and ingratitude to help us understand and appreciate it more. And then we're going to wrap up with just some few notes on how we can apply the spiritual discipline of gratitude in our lives today. Okay, so that's where we're going. Um, <clears throat> so the definition of gratitude. What is gratitude? Well, I think most of us know this, but it's the quality of being thankful. It's a readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. So if I were to ask you what's one of the many ways in your life today that you show gratitude, um, I think there's something we say often, and that's thank you, right? So take-home message today, the homework lesson today, is just for all of us to go out and just say thank you more often. You know, when somebody opens the door for you, say thank you. Somebody hands you a wad of money, say thank you. Be grateful, right? Um, But there's no discipline in that, right? Those are the easy things to be grateful for. Um, So there's more to it than that, right? Um, It wouldn't be disciplining ourselves just to go out and do some easy things. So let me ask you this. Um, Somebody does something that you appreciate, what do you say? Thank you, right? Okay, but... What about when you're on your way to church, driving down the road, and somebody cuts you off on the road? What do you say? And please don't say it out loud. I, okay. <laughs> but it's probably not thank you, right? Okay. almost set myself up there. Um, you know, what do you say when you wake up from your alarm clock and it's still dark outside? Again, don't say it, but it's probably not thank you. And, you know, what do you say when you find out you might be losing your job? And what do you say when you find out that someone you love is sick or maybe they're dying? You know, what, what are the things that come to mind that you want to say when life just kind of sucks? See, this is where gratitude becomes a spiritual discipline. This is where we need the training and encouragement to be grateful. Now, gratitude is most easily understood as a feeling we get when something good happens. Something uh, happens and it prompts us to say thank you. And that is being grateful, but when we look at the spiritual discipline of gratitude, it's deeper than that. The Bible calls for us to be grateful regardless of how we're feeling. Okay, so to explain this, um, I want to look at a passage here in 1 Thessalonians uh, verses 5. And this, this passage is basically the backbone of this entire message. Uh, so, so listen carefully. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a lot of power in this verse, and I specifically want to point out that what this is saying is that if we identify ourselves with being together with Christ, then we need to be thankful in all the circumstances that we're in. And this calling then requires us to be grateful regardless of how we're feeling. And to do this, we have to go against the instincts of our flesh. And this is where gratitude is going to become a discipline for us. We have to train ourselves to be grateful in all circumstances. We have to train ourselves to have an attitude of gratitude. And when I was thinking about how we can practice this, um, I was reminded of some people and when I was in college and I went to Purdue big campus and part of the campus there's this big mall open grass area and every once in a while you'd find a table 
parked out there with a couple people behind the table. And there was a big sign in front of it that said, free compliments. So interested in what that was. I'm like, okay, let's see what's free. Everybody in college loves free stuff. Um, so you, you walk up to it, and all they do is as people walk by, there's these guys standing behind or girls standing behind, and they're, you know, hey, that's a, a lovely-looking sweater. Or, hey, I love the way you did your hair today. Or, man, you've got a beautiful smile. They're just giving all these compliments. And when you walk by, it, it feels good to hear that stuff. And a couple times I would just walk by because you have a rough day, and it's like, oh, thank you for the compliment. You know, oh, thank you for the compliment. And you just you keep doing it. It feels good when we hear things that we like, right? <laughs> but then I started thinking, you know, I get all these compliments, and I love it, but how would I feel standing behind that table, being the one that has to give everybody compliments? And I'm assuming I'm not alone here, but I think it'd be a little awkward and uncomfortable for me to want to stand behind there and just try and figure out things that I'm thankful for as everybody's walking by. And I realized that, um, you know, why is it that, that we love to hear being appreciated or hearing compliments of us? But sometimes it can be so difficult for us to share those things with other people, Right. And I, I think the answer to this lies in a battle with our flesh. You know, if, if being grateful is an attitude that God desires, then who more would love to prevent us from desiring those things than Satan himself, right? And, you know, maybe you're arguing that, well, no one, I see your point, but it's just not really the social norm just to, to go out. You know, if you've got a table there, maybe that's a nice icebreaker, but just to go out in your everyday life and share things you're grateful for is just kind of awkward. It makes people feel weird. But again, to that, I would say, who would love more to then to create social norms to make us feel awkward and, and prevent us from desiring to draw closer to God than Satan himself? And there's a a passage in Colossians that I, I want to use to, to kind of hit this message home. And uh, it's Colossians 2, 4 through 5. Um, Paul writes, I'm telling you this, so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. And what Paul had just got done telling the people was that he had been suffering greatly. And he was encouraging the, the people in this church to, to come together and love and to have confidence on the wisdom that they had in Jesus Christ. So he's saying, I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So in this passage, Paul is providing encouragement to these people to resist the temptations of Satan. He's telling them that as they grow in their faith in Christ, when we have Christ as the foundation in our lives, that we won't have a choice but to overflow with gratitude. When we're grateful for the person and work of Jesus Christ, for his death and resurrection, for the forgiveness of all of our sins so that we can be united with him again someday. When we have that gift of salvation, when we've received that free gift of salvation, it is then that our hearts will overflow with gratitude and we will be able to see right through any of the lies and deceptions of the enemy. 
Paul is basically telling us here that we are to guard ourselves with gratitude. Okay, so to to summarize this definition of gratitude, um, let's revisit a couple of these points. Um, Gratitude as a spiritual discipline requires us to be grateful in all circumstances. It requires us to have an attitude of gratitude. And it provides a way for us to combat our sinful nature by guarding ourselves with gratitude. So keep those things in mind as we now dive into some examples here. Um, So fortunately, there are many examples in the Bible about being grateful, and many of those being during difficult times. So it wasn't easy just to pick one of them, but the one I want to focus on is in Acts chapter 16. And in this passage, Paul is on one of his um, missionary journeys um, to spread the good news about Jesus Christ. And we pick up in chapter, or, uh, chapter 16, verse 16. It says, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. So what's happening here? Okay, Paul and his, his team, they're traveling in a foreign country with the intentions of sharing the news about Jesus Christ and how to be forgiven from your sins, these people. They're on a mission to do God's work for his kingdom in this foreign country. And as we see here, they're met with nothing but rainbows and unicorns, right? No, that's not what it says. It says they're met with severe difficulty. And in this case, it was severe physical pain. Let's read on and see what happens. Verse 23. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks, which are basically like stiff handcuffs for your feet. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. These guys are trying to spread the good news, and they're being disciplined for it. They got thrown into prison and were severely beaten. Okay? And while they're locked up, they start praying to God and singing hymns to God. So what's wrong with that picture? Well, I don't think that sounds very natural, does it? I mean, just imagine that if you were to walk out of church today and on your way out, there was a police officer there that grabbed you, put you in handcuffs, beat you with his billy club or whatever they're called. I'm not sure if that's politically correct, but he beat you and threw you in the Kosciuszko County Jail. Would you start praying and worshiping God in that circumstance? I'm pretty sure if that happened to me, I'd probably be thinking about all the excuses I had this morning to not come to church, 
to wishing I would have stayed home and finished that to-do list that I have that piles up around the house. And through all that, I probably would have started cursing God and started asking him, God, why is it that I came to church today to worship you? And this is how you repay me? Right? I think we would have started accusing God for being in that circumstance. And those are the instincts of our flesh. I don't think it's unnatural for that to happen. But this is where it takes spiritual discipline to turn to God during a time like that. And like Paul and Silas did, give him praise in the circumstances. It's not so much a practice about being grateful for the circumstances we're in, but being grateful in them. Let's continue here. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the, prisoner was shak- the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeons and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. So do you really think that Paul and Silas would have been in the right attitude to share the message of salvation with his jailer if they were just grieving for their current circumstances and cursing God? No, I don't think they would have. I think they would have done what most of us probably would have done and ran out of that prison as soon as those doors opened wide to freedom, thanking God for the earthquake, right? But we would have missed that opportunity to deliver the good news of salvation with that jailer. And if we were to read on in this message, in this passage here, we would see that what happened is even greater than the salvation of the jailer. Uh, We would see that how this story panned out, it gave the new believers in this region um, confidence that they could believe in the message that was being taught to them without having to worry about being persecuted or beaten like Paul and Silas were. See, the attitude of gratitude that was being lived out by Paul and Silas was instrumental in the spread of Christianity in that area and during that time. They were guarded with gratitude from the temptations of their flesh. And because of that, they were able to strengthen their faith and the faith of those around them. We see here in this example of how having an attitude of gratitude can lead to deeper connection with Christ. But I think we should talk a little bit about what not having an attitude of gratitude can do for us. And what happens if, if this discipline of gratitude is not active in our lives? For this answer, I want to look at a story in the Old Testament. And I'm not going to read through it in detail. I think it's a story many of us are probably familiar with. But it's, it's a story about the Israelites' exodus from Egypt. Um, so, quick summary. The Israelites are enslaved to the Egyptians. God sends Moses to free them from their slavery. He rescues them, they leave, they, Moses parts the Red Sea, they cross the Red Sea, the Egyptian army is killed behind them, and they begin this trek towards the promised land that God had promised them, um, the land flowing with milk and honey. 
And on this journey, the people that were just living in slavery began feeling like things weren't happening the way they wanted them to. They began getting greedy and they began having this contempt towards God, almost questioning what was going on and starting to, failing to trust that the promise that God had had for them wasn't coming and, and they would be better off going back to slavery. And it was because they were not being grateful in the circumstances. The stuff that was happening in their lives at that time was not happening as fast as they wanted to, to be or not when they wanted it to happen or how they wanted it to happen. I think we can look at their example and think of how sometimes we feel when we're met with difficult circumstances in our lives, right? Um, you know, how, what, how do you feel when you're dealing with illness? Or what do we feel like when um, you know, somebody we know or love dies? Whether we're dealing with divorce, whether we're, we're dealing with just difficult issues at work or at home, whatever it may be, I think sometimes we can often ask ourselves, you know, where is God? Why has God abandoned us during this time? Don't you wonder sometimes that, you know, why God, who's supposed to love us so much, is allowing these things to happen? Why is he allowing these bad things to happen? These are thoughts and feelings that can creep into our minds when we let our feelings for our circumstances control our flesh and our attitude. Failing to have an attitude of gratitude will turn your heart against God and blaming him for the troubles in your life. Instead of turning to him for strength and love, you turn to the desires of this world to help numb the pain. You turn to alcohol, fame, pleasures, whatever it may be. When you turn to these things, you let the power of Satan creep into your life and have victory over it, destroying your relationship with God. This is what destroyed the Israelites' relationship with God during their walk in the wilderness. And it prevented them from receiving the gifts that God had promised them. There's a passage in Psalms I want to read that shares this. Uh, Psalms 106, verse 43. Again and again, he rescued them. So this is God rescuing the Israelites. But they chose to rebel against him. And they were finally destroyed by their sin. I'm going to pause there for a minute. So we know that having an attitude of gratitude in our circumstances will lead us into obedience to God. But we see here that not having an attitude of gratitude will lead us into rebellion against him. It gives victory to Satan over our lives. Not having an attitude of gratitude can lead to spiritual death. But even in our death, God shows us mercy. And if we read on, we can see that. Even so, God pitied them in their distress and listened to their cries. He remembered his covenant with them and relented because of his unfailing love. He even caused their captors to treat them with kindness. So even in the discipline that God was handing out to the Israelites, he was still merciful to them. And we see that in our lives, that when we're in these difficult circumstances, we can remember that God is merciful, that through his grace, we have a savior in Jesus Christ. It is never too late to accept that free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. 
when we find ourselves in these circumstances, it's okay to pray for the changes to happen. It's okay for us to, to pray for healing or restoration, but we need to guard ourselves in the circumstances, no matter what they are and no matter how we're feeling. Now, we may not find ourselves being thrown into prison or wandering through the wilderness after being enslaved. So I want to provide a, a probably more relatable story here of, of how we can practice gratitude and what this outcome might look like when we do so. So this is a personal story, and um, it was about a boss that I had. And it was not the greatest boss. It made life at work and even sometimes at home very, very difficult. So I imagine there's a lot of us here who can relate to having a very difficult boss. And if he's here, don't raise your hand. I just saw somebody doing that. So, <laughs> But this, this boss, the story behind this boss is he was not actually my boss. He was my boss's boss's boss. And in reality, I shouldn't have had much interaction with him, but this guy wanted to know how everything was happening in the company. And because of that, I think I interacted with him more than I did my own boss. He wanted to know how everything was being done because he felt he knew the right way to get it done. And he was an extremely domineering boss. He was very unpredictable. So if you, as you can imagine, the environment if you've ever had a really bad boss, was very toxic. Okay, so this guy would tell you how he thought things should be done and expected you to do them that way. So there was not a lot of energy or compassion behind the work we were doing at this time because nobody had any ownership behind what was going on. And because he was so unpredictable, lots of people were just afraid to even make decisions or do anything because of fear of the discipline and repercussions of of their actions. We were basically being forced to become this guy's robots, and it was a really toxic work environment. A lot of good people left during that time, and people were just mad and angry. So something I did was, uh, with a, a couple other friends, we decided to start this study group, and we were really desired to, to understand how we should be leaders in an organization, and we started reading this book called Lead Like Jesus by Ken Blanchard and Phil Hodges. So it's a great book on leadership. I, I'd encourage it to anyone. Um, certainly had a, a big impact in my life. And as we were going through this book, we started realizing that, hey, the way that we treat other people, even in this work environment, has a direct reflection on our relationship with Jesus. And we started thinking and asking questions, you know, does this boss even know who Jesus Christ is? Because how he was treating people. And we also learned that the way we respond to this boss also has an impact and reflection on our personal relationship with Christ. And during that time, I, I made a, a personal commitment that my life was going to become a billboard for Jesus Christ. That I, I decided I wanted people who interact with me to just see a reflection of Jesus and, and be desire, have a desire to get to know him more. And when I made that commitment, I started seeing work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I started seeing opportunities to speak with people both in my organization and outside to share my faith with them, to encourage them through this difficult and toxic circumstance. 
And suddenly I found myself being grateful for having this awful boss because it led me, it gave me the energy. His, his toxic attitude really just gave me the energy to want to dive into a, a deeper relationship with God. And though I was miserable at work, I was grateful for the opportunities that were coming up because of me being grateful in this circumstance. And instead of joining the revolt against my boss, like so many people were doing, my mission and my purpose there was to try and share the love of Christ with him and with those around us. And one thing I learned was that when you can practice gratitude in difficult circumstances, it just changes your perceptions of how the world is working around you. And the boss ended up leaving the company. And, you know, to be honest, I, I would have taken an opportunity elsewhere because the, the, it was just so toxic during that time. But I didn't have to. And I saw my relationship with God during that time strengthened because of it. So again, I, I share this story with you to help encourage you if you're going through difficult times, uh, whether it's with a boss or, or anything else in your life that might be difficult for you. And I got to be honest, this, this week has been full of challenges for me and my family um, to try and be grateful. Um, some stories, I'm, I'm not going to get into the details, but I was really excited to come up here and share this message on gratitude with you guys. And Satan has been working to try and destroy the gratefulness that I have as I'm preparing for this message. Learning about things that he's doing in some of my family's lives that's just unthinkable, ungodly stuff. Close friends that I have that are in the hospital, not knowing what's going to happen to them. Wondering what God's doing during this time. And it's easy to pray and feel hurt and anger and desire for stuff to change. And I've been praying for the circumstances to change. And I'm hopeful that God's going to, to turn these circumstances around for the better. But when I stop and think during this time, when I'm angry, when I'm frustrated, when I don't understand what's going on, I just thank God that we have a Savior, that we have His Son, and that his unrelenting love for us that we sang about this morning is there to guide us. And I started thinking that if we close our eyes when we, when we feel these difficult circumstances come up, we can just think for a moment, what happens if I go to bed tonight and I never wake up? Well, these circumstances that you're dealing with are going to disappear. You're not going to have to worry about that nasty boss, that illness, the, the craziness of what's going on in the world. It's not going to bother you anymore. But if you go to bed tonight, whether you wake up or not, the one thing that's going to remain is the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have a free gift of salvation through him, 
for all the pain and the heartache and the issues that we deal with today to disappear forever. And we can be grateful for that always. So to wrap this up, um, just want to throw out some, some points of application, some things to consider this week as we try and incorporate this spiritual discipline in our lives, understanding that it may be a change for us and it's going to require some training and discipline on our end. But here's some things that I've thought about that will hopefully help you and that you can be reminded of as you're going through this week and hopefully after. So we talked about having an attitude of gratitude. It's just an easy phrase to remember. When you, when you, when you feel the, the anger, or the hurt, whatever comes up, just remember, have an attitude of gratitude. Remember to guard yourself with gratitude. That during those difficult times is when Satan's going to try and creep in and take control of you. Just guard yourself against or guard yourself with gratitude. Um, maybe make giving thanks to God a part of your daily routine, whether that's through your prayer time every day or certain points throughout the day. Just just be grateful to God. Uh, another idea would be to to write gratitude on something and put it somewhere that you're going to see it every day so you can be reminded as you walk out the door, you see the sign gratitude. If you put it in your car so every time you get to wherever you're going, you can see gratitude. Um, and maybe put it somewhere that being grateful is a challenge uh, to remind yourself to have an attitude of gratitude. And you can also set a goal. Uh, tell someone about it to help you keep accountability for you. But maybe your goal is to tell somebody every day this week something you're grateful about them, knowing it might feel a little awkward at first, but keep pressing through and, and just know what you're doing for that person, the, the love that you're sharing with that person when you, when you can be grateful for them. And then telling God, maybe telling God three things you're grateful for every day to start your day off or to, to end your day. Just some opportunities here to, to get you started. And I, I want us all to remember... Uh, the verse that I shared first. I want to read it again. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll go ahead and invite the, the worship team up here to... And the prayer team can go ahead and come up too. Um, so this is a time of reflection, a time to continue in our worship this morning to the God that loves us so much, uh, the God that sent his Savior for us, uh, the God that is there even when we don't think he is. Um, if you've got needs in your life that you need prayer, there's a team of people wearing orange lanyards uh, that would love to just pray with you and help you um, speak to God, open your heart to God. Um, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, you know, maybe if you think this is going to be a challenge to be extra grateful this week, you know, just come up and receive prayer. Uh, we can provide some encouragement for you. Um, I'll go ahead and, and pray, and the worship team will, will close us out and, and worship. Father, uh, just so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you are sovereign over all things in this world, that you have everything 
under your control. I'm so grateful that when, when stuff happens that, that just doesn't feel right with us, that, that may bring us to pain um, and tears, that we can just remember who you are and be thankful that, that justice will be served, Lord. We can be thankful that your mercy is never-ending. And even when we rebel against you, even when we stumble and fall, that you are there to embrace us with love. That you welcome us into your arms, into a relationship with you, to bring healing and restoration, whether that's today, in the future, in this life, or the next, Lord. That when we believe in you, we have eternity to be grateful for, Lord. I just encourage those here to, to open their hearts to you, to let you in, to, to be grateful in all circumstances, Father. And I ask these things in your son's name we pray. Amen.